good night. Hello, cocktail lovers. Welcome to Paris Cocktail Talk, the show brought to you by the 52 Martini's Guide to Paris Cocktail Bars. I'm Forrest Collins, and I'm here to talk to you about the trends and traditions of drinking in France. Now, when we talk about trends around drinking, there's a trend that's been really very prevalent for over a decade now, and that is the flavor elderflower, the ingredient elderflower, I guess. So I brought someone into the studio today, and we're going to talk about this flavor, and we're going to dive a little deeper into its its historical uses and and learn how she uses it in her project. So um, I've got Lucinda Pryor in the studio of Suho, uh, the company Suho, which makes syrups and softs using elderflower. And for my listeners who are, are not located in France, Suho, um, her, the company is spelled S-U-R-O, but that also is the word, not the same spelling for elderflower in French. Suho is how you say elderflower. So so that's where the name comes from. Now, um, Lucinda, is there anything else that you want to tell the listeners about you before we dive into some of this history uh, around this ingredient? Oh, <laughs> hi, Forrest. Nice to be chatting with you. Um, uh, about me, well, I, it's just a, it's um, something I set up only a couple of years ago, um, but it's a product I've been making for myself for years and years and years, and it just suddenly took off. Um, Excellent. Well, I we're going to talk a little bit more later in the show about about how you got inspired to start it and how you make it. Before we get there, I want to kind of get listeners grounded into something that I think people because it's it's a relatively new revived flavor in the cocktail world and and maybe and other drinks as well uh i think people might not be aware of some of the historical and traditional uh uses for elderflower can you talk a little bit about that certainly um well the elderflower is um they call it the elderflower black elderflower sur noir in french um it's the latin name is sambucus nigra um, in Europe, and also the Sambucus canadensis in America. It's been wide, widely used throughout history for medicinal purposes and culinary purposes, and um, it still is today, <laughs> thank goodness. <laughs> um, the, yeah, there's references back to the Greeks and the Romans. I mean, even um, Hippocrates, he used it and called it his medicine chest because it cured so many ailments that he um, that was his his one go-to herb um, and also um, you know then later on in the years there's been you know all the physicists over the years have used it Culpepper and um, have has you know read, mentions it in all of his books um the complete herbalist and everything it's got amazing attributes um it's antiviral it's anti-inflammatory it's full of vitamin c full of antioxidants um and even the apparently the prehistoric people used to use it in prehistoric sites they've found elderberries showing that they used to use it as probably a, a food but also as a um, health for health reasons. Um, it's very, very popular at the moment in, in America. There's a huge amount of people growing in America. It's always been grown in um, Europe, 
the centuries um, as medicinal and as a flavoring. Um, and it is um, now being looked into for all sorts of other products, for cosmetics, as a, it's used as food dye enormously. It's used as, it used to be used for hair dye. <laughs> I don't know whether that's going to come back. Um, and even, um, you know, it was used for mu musical instruments like flutes and things. Um, and that's where it gets its name from, from a musical instrument, a Greek musical instrument that um, I can't remember the name now. Anyway, um, it was, um, it's hollow in the inside of the bark, of the, of the, of the tree. Tree? Branch. The, the trunk oh, branch. of the branch, okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so you can uh, hollow that out. It's only got a thin sort of, you know, very soft pith inside. So you can hollow that out and make it into all sorts of yeah, instruments and even something called a bouffadou in French, which is a um, a fire blower to, to, to keep the fire, to get the fire going. You just blow you hollow this the branch out and blow down it into the fire and it gets the fire going so it's been used for centuries and centuries for all sorts of things um and it grows wild so people can collect it and use it um how they want to in so many different recipes and um for medicinal or culinary purposes that um, is really interesting. I I think that <clears throat> it's interesting to note the original medicinal purposes. And, you know, I'm coming from a, a cocktail background. So there's so many things in the cocktail world that really originally started as, uh, you know, you look at bitters and things like this, these tinctures, tinctures, uh, they, they really started as, as for medicinal reasons, even, you know, gin and tonics, this was a way to, you know, fight, fight the scurvy. So, yes, um, but I had no idea about these other, the musical instruments and, um, and the, the ubidu, is that what you call it in French? Boufadou. Uh, Boufadou. It's uh. a great word, isn't it? <laughs> Ah, <laughs> uh, great. Um, so, wow, it's really had a long and and active history. Now we see it so much in drinks. What do you think? I mean, maybe there hasn't been a revival. Maybe it's just something that we weren't aware of until it I wasn't aware of until it popped into the cocktail world. But, but I mean, you know, over a decade ago, it seemed like it kind of exploded in popularity, especially in the U.S. For me, I mean, I was very aware of of elderflower liqueurs that were popping up in the U.S. coming from France that I couldn't even get here in France. So, you know, I'm an American living in France, so I'm very aware of what's happening in both countries. Uh, what what caused it? First of all, do you think there was like this explosion in the past decade or, or so? And if so, what caused it? Definitely, absolutely, definitely. There is uh, in um, I think it was about two thousand seven. There was a huge um, uh, popularity once the um, Saint Germain, the elderflower liqueur, came out. Um, which is, it's a liqueur that comes from the French Alps, and um, that hit the cocktail scene. 
big time in Paris in the in 2007, and I think that's where the popularity came from, and people became aware of it because um, previously people were told that Sureau was well, the elderflower could be poisonous and is poisonous actually sometimes if you you know um, use it in the wrong way. Um, the elderflower liqueur Saint-Germain is wonderful. It makes the cocktail Hugo, which is a mixture with champagne, the Saint-Germain, and um, a little bit of lemon juice. Um, and it's delicious, perfect, <laughs> refreshing um, drink. So yes, it hit the cocktail scene big time with that, um, got well known. And then I think just recently, it's also People have become much more aware of um, natural products and, you know, plant-based products. And I think they are um, just looking into different things and, and also trying different things as well. Um, in England, for example, we've been using elderflower cordial for hundreds and hundreds of years. And it's very, very popular and it took off about 20, 30 years ago in England, um, the cordial. Um, we don't make the liqueurs and things, but the, the cordial can be used in, the syrup can be used in cocktails and everything as well. Um, and I think, um, yeah, people have got into making their own and loving the taste of elderflower. Yeah, I think that you're right. I think many of these trends have have come together to to increase its popularity. This kind of the slow food movement, the locavore movement, the natural artisanal products. So, yeah, I think that you're, in my opinion, right on on why why that uh, popularity has has exploded. And you know, when it first was being used, when Saint Germain come, came onto the market, it was so prevalent in the cocktail bars. But the cocktails but bartenders were referring to it as bartender's salt because you know they just added a little yeah. to every cocktail yeah. and it really it kind of elevated it so so i think that uh yeah it really really um hit its stride with the with the cocktail crowd um do you now um lucinda i didn't ask you when we were talking before are you originally from the uk uh are you, your uk transplant here are you french um british <laughs> No, I, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm British. Um, uh, I came um, over to, well, I left England when I was 24, went and lived in Spain for about eight years, and then came here to, to France. Um, and I've been here, yeah, for, well, <laughs> many years, 25 years or so. Ah, <laughs> so I'm yes. More, yeah. Yeah, I, that's I, it. I, I'm, I'm married to a, my husband is half French, um, and we have our daughter here. Um, and I've lived basically in the same sort of region, southwest, all that time. Excellent. So you probably have a pretty good idea. Now, we've talked about it a little bit uh, of, of how it's used in different places we've touched on in the U.S. and in the U.K. and and here in France. Do you have any insights on kind of globally how it's used? Is it just as popular around uh, around the world or is it or in Europe or uh, any thoughts on that? Yeah, in in northern Europe um, and well, in East, you know, Hungary, Austria, um, they all make a huge amount of elderflower um, and and drink it um, cordial mainly. 
And again, in Sweden, in the northern, you know, um, Scandinavian countries, there's an awful lot. In fact, my, my original recipe came from originally from a Swedish lady who had made it and her family made it for generations. And then it got handed down to my sister. And then to me, I've been using that. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's um, in cocktails. I'm, I, as you say, with Saint-Germain, that is worldwide now. It's so well known and so delicious. Yeah, it, it was really a successful product. I mean, I think it was, you know, a, a, a kind of a smaller product and it got picked up um, by, uh, I can't remember what portfolio it's under now, Bacardi, Pernod Ricard, can't remember. But yeah. anyway, they are massive now. They are mainstream and they are massive. So um, I guess that speaks to uh, to the the popularity of it, but it speaks to the the how, how much people appreciate the flavor, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So. And speaking of cocktails, we're gonna, I want to talk a little bit about what you're doing. And um, first, one tiny, just one tiny piece of information for my listeners in the U.S. Um, when Lucinda talks about cordial, she does mean a syrup that doesn't have alcohol in it. A lot of times in the U.S., when we say cordial, we mean the same thing as a liqueur, which is um, it, it's got a little bit of alcohol in it. So when we talk about cordials today, we are talking about uh, we are talking about a syrup without alcohol. Correct. I I am correct on that. You're not yes, talking about you're anything correct. Like that. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, no apologies. Yeah, I was just just doing a little project, uh, doing a uh, some writing on a, on a book that was so I was very getting into the nitty gritty of cordial and 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 what it means in different places. So just making sure we're all on the same page, page and that's yeah. the fun part about getting to interview people from all over the world and getting to share it. You know, we all kind of we get to bring our own our own perspective and information. So um, so cocktails are very or uh, elderflower very popular flavor in drinks, especially cocktails, but also. There's another trend happening, which is a really big move to lower um, proof, lower ABV, lower alcohol um, drinks or no alcohol drinks. I know that, you know, a lot of stats I read about millennials is they're drinking better, but less, they're not drinking at all. So, you know, there's lots of bars that have these low ABV cocktails. I just, listeners might remember, I just did a show last month on, um, with Olivier Martinez of house garden, which is a bar in Paris and they specialize only in low ABV drinks. So you are making, um, both syrup, but also softs, um, elderflower flavored sparkling drinks without alcohol. So you're really capitalizing on two different um, trends that are very, you know, mainstream at this point. So let's talk a little bit about your inspiration behind uh, the starting the company and uh, basically how it came about. Well, um, as I was saying, once I moved to to France, um, I mean, I'd always made elderflower syrup. And um, once I moved to France, there was the opportunity. I had a little farm and there was loads of elderflower all over. So I used to make a lot of my own elderflower and that would be, you know, a few liters just for us. And then slowly, slowly, I'd make more and more because friends and family would want it. The French just adored it. I was just amazed that there was no elderflower syrup. In France, they just didn't do it, you know. 
Um, I think a lot of people do make it at home privately, but you can't buy it commercially. Um, and so I kept saying to myself, it was niggling on my head all the time. Oh, I should, you know, try and sell this, try and sell this. And eventually one day I, I decided as I was in the middle of making my first batch of elderflower one year, I decided to go for it. And so every morning I was out there picking, every morning coming back, processing it, making as much cordial as possible. And um, I then got a friend to, to make the most wonderful design um, of my label and came up with the idea of the name Surol. With, it's a play on words because the French way is spelled S-U-R-E-A-U and is pronounced Surol. So I decided to put it as the name is Surol, S-U-R with a capital O. And it works very well. It's a nice short name, very easy to remember, and it says exactly what it is. So I was thrilled with all of that. Um, I then decided to put it into the cordial was difficult to sell. So I, the syrup was difficult to sell. So I decided to put it into um, smaller bottles and fizz it. So I found a company who could do that for me. And they carbonated it, and I pushed it into 33 centiliter bottles. And um, I, the first batch, I did a 1,000 bottles just to test it out, and it sold within three weeks just locally to the local bars and everything. <laughs> so it's like, <gasps> I've got to get on and move and make some more. So then I went into larger quantities. Um, but to doing larger quantities, I realized I couldn't produce the – syrup all myself impossible i just hadn't got the capacity for it so i found in fact a cousin of mine who used to make a lot of elderflower products in england and still does um he makes extract so i started using his extract and it i had to redevelop the recipe but it's come out beautifully and um yeah so i've i've just taken off on with i then developed a, a second flavor with ginger so it's elderflower and ginger and that is a great success as well um and as you say for us it's amazing because it's of course it's non-alcoholic and it's delicious just as it is but plus i started realizing oh try it with gin try it with vodka i'll try it with this try it with uh, almost every spirit i try it with is delicious it's because it just sort of lifts everything and and just changes um from the normal um and i just love it and everybody else seems to love it i'm making i do a um cocktails and mocktail um on instagram every friday um with the recipes on there and it's it's just fun trying new cocktails and trying new things out <laughs> Yeah. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, so I, uh, as you know, I was testing out some different uh, mocktails and cocktails with it yesterday. I've got my French in-laws here. So um, so good. we did a little bit with vodka, a little bit with gin, the ginger, the just the elderflower by itself. And it was a big hit around here. Everybody liked it as a very sort of light and refreshing, you know, we had it um, as a, as an aperitif and, uh, and it was excellent. 
And uh, yeah, worked with both so well. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, um, so how are people, um, oh, first of all, I think when we talked before you had mentioned uh, it's it's being bought up by bars and such around maybe kind of in your area. So uh, are you available throughout France in bars? How can people try your product if they're here in France? Um, through my website, you can order it. Um, so I can send it, you know, up to two, well, however many boxes, but um, I can send it throughout the whole of France. Um, I And people can buy it locally. I do also the markets, um, local market of Nerac, which is a wonderful market, great fun to do. And I test my products, new products out on, on all my customers, see how they like it. And AOs in the Gers. Um, but apart from that, the, I don't have anywhere in Paris, I'm afraid to say. <laughs> but ah. I would love to find the, yeah, some some people in Paris. I've had a lot of interest um, from bars, cocktail bars and, and shops, but the, it's, the distribution is, is um, a bit more tricky. So I've got to look into that. If you have any ideas, Forrest. I will <clears throat> I will keep my, my thinking cap on. Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, I don't know. It, it's nice. For me, there's something that I really appreciate about the fact that it's this small product that, you know, I think sometimes it's 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 nice not to be able to get everything everywhere and just appreciate what you can get where you are. Uh, but you may you may you may disagree because you may want you may be ready to go worldwide Saint Germain style. No, 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 no. I I I agree with you completely. I would prefer. I like keeping small. I like keeping local, and I like keeping um, contact directly with my customers. That's something I really appreciate. Um, but it would be fun to have, you know, a few, a few sort of fun places in Paris to maybe I'll just come up and. <laughs> yes, um, you should come up sometime. Yeah. Well, I will bring a few bottles to Paris. So if any of my friends are listening, you can come over and try some at my house. Um, <laughs> yes. Now, speaking of, of drinking at my house, I think that you may have brought a an idea for a cocktail of the month for us. Uh, uh, uh-huh. Do you have one that you can share with the listeners? Yes, I do. Well, my my favorite, I it, yeah, is is with gin. I just I think with gin it works so well. Um, and so it would be about forty millimeters, milliliters, milliliters of gin, a uh, hundred milliliters of, of elderflower, the natural one, and the ginger. In fact, works very well. Um, a couple of drops of Angostura's bitters because I that again just lifts it perfectly and. A few slices of cucumber and mint. I love cucumber. Um, I think it's again sort of brings out wonderful flavors. And you can always put a little bit of borage, leaf, or flower in the top. (laughs) I am dying for my borage to come out. For some reason, it hasn't come out in the garden. But what you're uh, describing is exactly what we were doing for our aperitif yesterday. It was with the cucumber and a little bit of mint in there. And well, the yeah. variations of 
you know, with ginger, without ginger, with vodka, with gin. So, um, and it was very refreshing. And I served a little bowl of um, cubed uh, melons alongside, which I thought went really nicely with the cucumber on there. So very nice. So yes, I I, uh, I agree. And now, um, of course, we want all of our listeners to be actually be drinking Soho, but uh, if they can't get it in the U.S., I, I'm assuming we can replace that, swap that out for whatever elderflower sparkling uh, that you might be able to find, or perhaps a little um, syrup with some sparkling water, because it's a really lovely flavor combination. Exactly, exactly. So before we start signing off here, can you, do you want to tell listeners maybe where they can find you online? You mentioned Instagram. Is that the best place for them to follow along to get news about the, um, about the product? Instagram is probably the best um, or Facebook as well. I have um, uh, and LinkedIn as well. Um, so we have the Facebook is Elderflower underline Suro, S-U-R-O, or you can look into hashtag Suro Clock, which is the cocktail on a Friday evening that I do, and it will take you to, to the Instagram site. Excellent. And I will, listeners, I will put links to to the webs, uh, to the Instagram, to the Facebook, to, to all, any information that I have, as well as uh, as the recipe for this, uh, this month's cocktail, put them in the show notes. So fear not, if you didn't get that down, you can go find it in the show notes, just scroll down. If you're listening in iTunes, it's, it's already just scroll down from where you're listening and you will see that. So, uh, I think we're coming to the end of our half hour. So thank you so much, Lucinda, for taking the time to talk to me about this. This has been more interesting than I expected. I expected it to be interesting, but now I feel like I know so much more about elderflower. Oh, well, thank you very much, Forrest, for having me on your show. It's it's a great privilege and, and um, yeah, great fun. Great. It's, well, um, I also had fun and I look forward to talking to you about this more offline as well. Um, but, you know, as everybody knows, we, we keep it to a half hour around here because that's what they like at World Radio Paris. So I am going to wrap it up now. And uh, say, first of all, thank you to today's guest. Thank you to you listeners for tuning in or downloading. Additional thanks to World Radio Paris for editing and production. Thank you to Sun Little for the music that we use. And uh, links to all of those people as well will be in our show notes. Always, we remind you to drink responsibly. And um, one last thing is, you know, I like doing the podcast. It's fun to interview people, but also it's helpful for uh, me if you leave reviews. So I ask you if you like the show or if you just kind of like it and you want to give some constructive criticism, pop over there and uh, to iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast and leave a little review. Apparently it helps people find it and it helps me know that people are listening and, uh, and that this is worthwhile. So until next time, cheers. In the river, cheers.